Lord, we do thank you that you're not only always with us as you've promised, but that we can always come to you and that you've you've gifted us with this beautiful thing called prayer in which we can commune with you and receive from you and share with you. And Lord, we pray that in this time now, as we look to your word, that you would Take us deeper, grow us in what you intend for our lives of prayer lived with you. We pray this in your name, Lord. Amen. You may be seated. A couple of weeks ago, church family, I lamented at the beginning of my message that one of the things that I struggled with about preaching was that it was monologue and um, as someone who loves to teach it was hard for me to not be able to interact or um, have you know questions and dialogue and after the service Rick Houtstra said to me well why don't you create some space for dialogue for questions And I thought, well, that is kind of how uh, Jesus did it (laughs) and uh, how the rabbis did it in the Jewish synagogues. We're not a Jewish synagogue. but So in in any case, I thought, well, um, we're small enough that that could work. And I shared Rick's suggestion with the elders, and they said, you know, that could be really helpful at times. Um, So look look for opportune times. So I imagine that not every time, um, would we create space for that kind of dialogue? I don't know. But today we're going to because last week as I brought a message about the, the way in which um, prayer is a place that God uses to change us, to transform us to be like himself, like Jesus, I really felt um, a combination of hunger and interest and questions and maybe some confusion about some of the things that I was saying. And as I, it might sound strange to hear you, for you to hear me say I felt, but um, as somebody bringing a message, um, you can very clearly feel uh, or perceive how it's being received not just from watching, but you can feel uh, in yourself. And I'll give you a message uh, example. Three weeks ago when I brought the message about how Jesus at the, the Last Supper um, was like proposing to his, his bride, um, there was such a hunger and a welcome uh, of that message. You all were so drinking it up that that actually helps. When you come with hunger and express hunger, it helps the work of God's spirit in and through me as a as a teacher of his word. So um, I wasn't sensing people resisting or not hungry. I was just sensing questions. And in fact, had conversation with people till well after one o'clock and then had more conversation with others through the week. And so as I processed with the Lord and the elders, my senses don't move on. This is such an important um, thing for us to wrestle with and understand uh, in terms of our faith 
and what God's given us uh, go a little deeper. So here's what I want to do this morning. I'm going to read the scripture passage from John 15 that I preached last week again. I'll give a very short recap of what the message that I brought, maybe add a thought or two, and then I'm going to open it up for questions and conversation. And um, I want to clarify, I'm not inviting, there are a lot of teaching gifts in this congregation. I'm not inviting the teachers among you to start teaching or to... um, (laughs) uh, I'm inviting questions that will lead to deeper learning, okay? So more kind of like classroom style. So let me read from John 15. Uh, This is is Jesus speaking to his disciples, his followers, on the night before he was killed as a sacrifice for our sins. He says to them, I'm the true vine, and my Father, God, is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. And the implication is that they've received that word. They've had faith. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you, keep, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete or full. My command is this, love each other as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. So, um, if you were here last week, you might remember that I began with a story or an illustration of when I was in college and I was landscaping. 
And my boss, uh, 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 very earlier on in the job, he sent me to go pick up a set of landscape forks and put them in the back of the truck. And I had couldn't do it. It was impossible. I returned to him. He said, you absolutely can. You're intended to and you're designed to. And let me show you how. And he brought me back and he he hoed them uh, bobcat skid steer forks up into the back of the truck. You know, he he positioned it just right, tilted them on the on the on the tailgate, got underneath them and put them and, and loaded them up in. And um, I said that in reflecting on that, I thought that this this was an apt picture of how sometimes God's designs for prayer go unfulfilled because we don't understand how he's designed and intended to work through us in prayer, as Jesus says, to bear much fruit. And I think, uh, I think it was at that point where I, I started to lose a few people because a number of us were wrestling with that. Can it really be true that he says, ask anything in my name and it will be given to you? There's, there's got to be some condition, some something, because our experience stands in opposition to that. But I, I want to leave that for a minute because what, what I was moving towards is the asking brings us into dynamic relationship with Jesus. And it's in that place of relationship, of engaging with him, that we get changed, that we get transformed. Okay, so let me let me give you an example of what I'm talking about, and then we'll come back to this passage. Because remember, the the sermon series we're in is about how each of us, as a believer in Jesus Christ, a child of God, is growing up to, in Christ, growing to fullness in Him. And we're saying, how does that happen? God's given tools, ways that we can work with Him. And one of them is this beautiful gift called prayer, this relational journey that we are on with the Lord where we talk to him and he communicates with us. Where's that Bible? By his word and his spirit, which always speaks in accordance with his word. So so here's the example. Paul says to the Philippian believers, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, present your requests to God. And he doesn't stop there. In everything, present your prayers and petitions to God. And, says Paul, the peace of God, which transcends, it means it's over and above understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. What Paul just painted a picture of for us is an exchange that happens in the place of prayer. So one of the most challenging things I've heard over the last couple of years, another pastor said this comment in the middle of a sermon. He said, if you leave prayer the same way that you entered, you are not praying, you're complaining. What did he mean? He means 
when you go to prayer, if you're really praying, you're engaging with a living God who, where's that Bible of mine? (laughs) Stay close. Who communicates, who has promised us many, many things and who does not change, who keeps his word. And when you go to the place of prayer, you're engaging with a living God who said to you, you don't need to worry about anything. You don't need to worry about the food you drink, the food you eat, the drink you drink, the clothes you wear, anything, because your Father in heaven knows what you need. And as you seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness or right way of living, so line your life up with God and his purposes, all of these things that you need, they'll be given to you. Every one of us struggles with anxiety. Every one of us deals with it. Every one of us deals with fear. It's the single greatest command in all of scriptures. Don't be afraid. So God doesn't Well, how does he respond to our fear and our anxiety? He doesn't beat us up. He doesn't shame us. He commands us, don't be afraid. But then he invites us, come to me. Come to me. And he doesn't intend for us to come to him and complain or lament and pour it out and leave that place unchanged. He he intends for transformation to take place in the context of prayer, which means that we need to engage him a certain way. And that way is with faith. So you remember that the first sermon in this series, what are the tools we received? Are a mind renewed by the word of God. So the first thing is I'm coming to God. What did we say in that sermon? He has a redemptive solution for everything. There's nothing that's beyond his reach. If you're breathing, you have hope. He's called the God of all hope. Right? Okay. So, in John 15, he says to his disciples, I don't call you servants anymore. I call you friends. In the whole Old Testament, there's only two people. They get called friends of God. Abraham and Moses. These disciples, if they were wearing socks, it had blown their socks off. Okay. <laughs> Jesus was saying, I am inviting you into this place of communion. Okay. Where you know me And I know you where you're in me and I'm in you. And in that place where my the will of God, the word of God is shaping you, then you can ask whatever you want. So there are conditions. It's not like and you all know this. I don't get to go, God, I want that car in this house. And, you know, those aren't the kind of prayers. Okay. Okay. Let me say one more thing and then I'm going to turn it toward conversation because I know there's questions. The, the, the piece that I wanted to draw out last week was there's, there's something um, about the word ask in here 
that's really important. So you remember I said this, this word that's translated, iteo, it's translated ask, it can also mean crave, require, call for, desire, beg. These really strong words. And I said, why would God have his children require, call for, beg, uh, want them to express such strong yearning? Because there's something about engaging all of our hearts with God that matters. If, if I can say, if I ask God for something a couple of days in a row and I don't see an answer and then I stop asking, well, we find out how much it really mattered to me, right? So what, happened, what happens, what needs to happen in order for me to keep on asking and asking earnestly? Well, often something needs to change in me. My value system needs to change in order for me to persist in prayer with faith, asking God to do things that he said he wants to do in his word. There's something in me that needs to change. Remember the example I gave last week about trying to forgive people? When you're um, honest and you, um, you really want to forgive but really don't want to, how, how desperately you need God's help. Because there's something in you. So your, your, your value system initially lines up with his. Because you want to. You have the desire to. But you don't have, you don't have his nature. Uh, or you're not fully reflecting his nature. Right? If you're honest with yourself. Come on, people. Be honest with me. I know it's a struggle to forgive those who reject who mistreat, who steal, who, who malign our character. And so that the process of engaging with God, asking him to do something that he wants to do, changes us. And the, what's so beautiful about this is that what holds true for one thing, like forgiveness, holds true for every other promise he's made in Scripture. Right? Like he, the promise in Scripture is, as you forgive people their sins so will your father in heaven forgive your sins and he says if you don't you won't be forgiven you do not receive from god and then refuse to extend and keep receiving from god forgiveness it doesn't work that way okay so so we're making this effort in prayer to receive something from god that helps us to truly forgive that something is his nature I really want to bless this person, and I don't have that in me when I'm honest, but I want it, and God gives it as I pray. Okay? The Catechism tells us, the Heidelberg Catechism is one of our teaching tools. It says, Why does God, who's sovereign, ask his children to pray if he already knows all their needs? And it answers, Because he gives his grace and his Holy Spirit only to those who pray who groan inwardly and pray constantly. Paul says to the Corinthians, we've all been given one spirit to drink. That's an interesting in- metaphor, isn't it? A, to drink. 
So you could say that prayer is like turning on the tap. You come to God with faith. I need something from you. I'm asking for that something. I know it's your will because you've said in your word it's your will. So you're praying the things that you know are his, are his will. So, and you're praying persistently until you receive that thing. And my concern is, okay, I promise this is the last thing I'll say before we go. My concern is that because I've experienced this myself. When we don't receive answers to prayer that we're hoping for, that we're expecting for, what happens is disappointment and confusion sit on our hearts. And they shape and they influence whether we will continue to pray with faith. And when you have a downward spiral work in one way, if disappointment and confusion sit on your heart and you start to pray less, faith decreases. And then you pray less. And faith decreases. Okay? I'm, gonna, I'm just going to stop right there. Let's go to conversation. And um, who's got questions? And let's talk about them. Yes, Mary. Oh, yeah, we're going to run a mic here. Thank you, Mark. Well, when I grew up, uh, we were always taught to add to our prayers, if it be your will. And I remember sitting in church all these years and really never hearing an answer to prayer. Never. And so that kind of crushed my faith because if it's, you know, is my prayer going to make a difference? If, you know, <laughs> what does God will? And then Jesus says, pray that his kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven. Mm-hmm. So doesn't God's will always happen on earth? I mean, that's kind of the theology I grew up with. I hear a statement mixed with a question. Um, how, do, how do we think about praying in light of what many of us have been taught to pray, um, yet not my will but yours be done, or if it be your will? In the Bible, there's two instances that talk about this. The first was Jesus when he was going uh, on the night before he died, he was wrestling with God the Father and saying, um, do I have to bear this cup, yet not my will? I, if there's any other way, could I not, yet not my will, but yours be done. So he was, he was wrestling with what God had revealed to him as his will and, and submitting to it. Okay. Uh, notice this. That was a context in which God had revealed his will. He'd said, and Jesus was saying, not my will, but yours be done. So God had revealed his will. The one other place in scripture that talks about this is James, where James says, uh, listen, you're saying, I'm going to go here a year from now and do this and that. He said, don't talk. James says, don't talk like that. You don't know where you're going to be in a year. You say, if it's the Lord's will, I'll do such and such. So James is talking about speaking about the future in a context of, I don't know what God's will is. Okay, We, our tradition, which is really strong in, in terms of understanding the sovereignty or the all-powerfulness of God and his ability to bring about out his will, has sometimes over applied that to all of prayer 
Okay? We don't need to say, if it be your will, when we're praying, what he's clearly revealed is his will. So what's his will? Well, very simply, the psalmist says, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne, his kingdom. God is a God of justice and a God of righteousness, right, holy living. He desires those at all times and in all places for everyone. He never does not will righteousness. So we can look at any situation or any person and pray for God to bring his right ways of living into their heart and life. Okay, so I'll give you an example. You're, I'm just going to pretend, I'm not saying this is happening, but you're looking at your grandchildren and you're seeing, I've got these grandchildren that are like bent over their iPhones seven and a half hours a day and they're like addicted to them and these things drive their lives and you go, this thing that's a good tool is not being used as a good tool by them. They're addicted to it and, and yet they're in the church like they know Jesus, but this thing is like driving their life. You can start praying, God! Give my grandchild a greater hunger and thirst to know you than to know the Internet. Give my grandchild a greater hunger and thirst for your word and your ways than this. God, and you've got all kinds of scripture, you can pray for them. And he promises he'll work through those prayers to change reality, to change them. Okay, So... What was I getting really excited about? God's will. We know, we know his revealed will. There is so much in the scripture that he said to us, I want it to be this way on the earth. And it's only people that are really, really clear about his will and really clear about their role that will pray that way ongoingly. Okay? Not just about his will but about our role. He calls us, I can't say this enough, a royal priesthood. That's his identity statement for his church. What does that mean? You reign with me. You mediate between heaven and earth as priests. You share in my reign. You, You pray let heaven come to earth. Let my will be done on earth. And I work through your prayers. So, let me stop. I'm teaching again. <laughs> Neil. So, through your sermon, I kind of heard, you know, we're not seeing results made that we want to see because we're not, we're, not, we're not praying for these things. We're not persisting, coming, begging. Um, desiring. And so through that, I thought two things. Um, first was conviction, and then immediately discouragement. Um, so the first was the conviction. I have a friend that I, I want to see him know Jesus. Mm-hmm. I see him going through these painful things, and I, I prayed for him on and off, but I was like, wow, maybe you're calling me to pray for him more. Like, really, really come to you, Lord, and really pray for that. Um, and then I thought about the 10 other things that I, I want to see and felt discouraged. Like, I, there's not enough hours in the day for me to pray for these things. I was at the Patrick Leoya funeral. Uh, my heart aches for that family. I want to see that family restored. I want to see life, um, the brokenness in the city. I mean, uh, there, this congregation, I want to see revival. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to 
balance all those things and pray for all those things. So I was immediately discouraged of like, how do I do this? You know, how do I persist? Um, so it, that's kind of where I, I, I left off. Um, and then I was encouraged at the end because Pastor Gina brought us, us back to the beginning of your sermon mm-hmm. and said, if you're in that place, you ask the Lord for direction. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm voicing that because that was kind of my um, reaction. But then mm-hmm. encouragement to, to seek the Lord for the answer. Yeah. I don't know the answer, so I wondered if you would speak to that. Thank you, Neil. Um, I'm grateful for the what you just voiced about Maybe the Lord wanted me to pray um, more for this friend or more deeply because part of what I'm perceiving and trying to share is that um, as we give ourselves to the Lord in prayer, we share his heart. His heart becomes ours. So when, when um, you are broken hearted for a friend or a family member who doesn't know the Lord and you pray for them out of a, a place of deep longing, you are sharing in God the Father's longing for his lost children to come home. And prayer that engages God ends up changing you. Does that make sense? Okay. So, the um, second thing that you said was, this is, could be kind of overwhelming. Like, where do I begin and end, right? Um, the, whole, the world needs so much prayer. A couple of responses to that are, one, I shared on Thursday night, uh, my spiritual director quite a number of years ago when I was frustrated with my prayer life uh, said to me, your goals are good, but you're being unrealistic. You don't start by running a marathon by running a marathon. You start by running a 5K race. And so um, don't put pressure or expectations on yourself that the Lord's not putting on you. He will grow your prayer life as you offer yourself to him. But the... The other part of it is um, even asking the Lord, Lord, would you guide what you're calling me to pray for? And I I do this a lot because if you, like I I counsel you, don't watch the news if you're not going to pray. Because you will get desensitized. Like there is a, a, a mass killing on the news every two to three days right now. It's horrible. So um, ask the Lord what his calling on you to pray for is. Are, are you called to pray for this neighbor, for that friend, for this family member, for this world situation? He'll direct you. He'll give you guidance. He'll bring people to your heart. And he won't overwhelm you, as it, as it were. Okay? That's one more thing about that that needs to be said. Um, pray in community. Find community. I find this, Anne and I pray together almost every morning. We intercede together. And I find it so helpful to pray together. I know we're not all married or in families, but we, ha- we are all in community. We all have people we can gather with. And, um, and prayer just, it, it flows. It's so much, 
um, better in community. Okay? Let me stop there and go to another question. Um, uh, growing up until I was in second grade, my dad was dying of cancer and we prayed every night that my dad would be healed of cancer and, uh, and everyone we knew prayed every single night that he would be healed. And when I was in second grade, he died. And, um, that obviously shaped my prayer life, and I think as like a rebuttal, maybe against that, um, pray now almost exclusively like only direct scripture. Like certainly for him, like if my neighbor needs like praying for your kingdom, I, my prayer often is like your kingdom come in this in this situation, because I know that it, I know that scripture like those are. I can rely on scripture being promises and um, praying just those things. But I guess I'm just wondering, like, what's the line between, like, praying for something outside of scripture persistently? Yeah, good question. And thank you for sharing because it's a tender, vulnerable area. Um, I want to connect to that, that after the service last week, Tony had the courage to say to me, Pastor Dave, you just shared the week before about praying with all that you had for your brother-in-law and he died. You know, how can you, how do you reconcile that with what you're telling us? Well, God doesn't, well, he reveals in scripture that he is ultimately healing all of us via new resurrected bodies in a new creation, a new heaven, a new earth. He doesn't say it's my will to heal everyone this side of the new creation. And so we, this is where that um, praying, knowing the will of God and the word of God shapes how we pray. And so part of what you're pointing to is, well, we don't, we're left with mystery. Like why does he heal some and give miracles to some and not to others? And he doesn't answer us. He doesn't tell us why my brother-in-law died, and why your dad died. But the danger for us is that when those types of circumstances happen and we've given everything we had, then we feel like there's a disappointment that can rest on our hearts that impedes us from praying in those, where you named, those situations where God's will isn't clear, like we don't know it. And so your question was, how do we deal with those? And this is, this is how we deal with them. We must have a bedrock foundation of trust, unwavering trust, in the absolute, c- complete, unchanging goodness of God all the time. When you... Don't just profess with your mind, but believe in your heart. God is only good. He is fully good. He's fully good to me all the time. It, it frees you. It empowers you to pray with faith in the unclear areas because 
you know that you can you can trust him with the results. You know, see, I used to be really inhibited from for praying from healing because not only did I uh, have fear issues myself about would he do it, but I was also worried about other people being disappointed and um, and sad. So now I just explain to people when I pray for your healing and I'm praying with boldness, I'm not promising anything. I am offering God all of the faith that I have. Trusting him to work as he wills. But it's the, it's the unwavering trust in his goodness that empowers us to pray with faith. Does that make sense? Okay. Others. Lonnie. You talked at the beginning about a downward spiral where we pray and we don't receive the answer that we want. And so then we pray less and then our faith is less and then we pray less. How do you reverse that spiral? You. Great question. Did everyone hear that? Yeah. Okay. How do you reverse the spiral? Um, You need faith to reverse the the spiral and you need the faith that will pray for more faith. How does faith come? By hearing. By hearing what? How does hearing come? Hearing the word. Hearing God's word. Paul tells us in Romans 10, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So... um, I I never pray without the word. And I pray the word. When you pray the word with faith, then faith grows. So when you recognize I'm struggling with faith, I need more faith, you just begin to pray, God, give me more faith. This is why you've probably heard... Uh, a number of times over the last couple of months, I've prayed for us the scripture that Paul prays for the Ephesians. He says, I, I pray that God may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation that you may know him better. A spirit of wisdom and revelation so you can know him better. Well, how's that going to come? You're going to engage his word with faith and he's going to reveal himself to you. This is what I'm like. This is what I do. This is what I promise. This is who I am to you. And you are going to receive that in faith and you're going to pray just like the guy who came to Jesus. uh, You know, hey, Lord, if you can do anything, drive this demon out of my son. And Jesus says, if I can do anything. Anything is possible to him who has faith. And the guy go immediately says what? I believe. Help my unbelief. <laughs> okay. In some measure, we always live, all of us, in, in this side of heaven or the new creation in that place. It's just a matter of how much is one and how much is the other. But we're always saying, Lord, grow my faith. Grow my faith until I think like you think. 
Act like you act. Speak as you would speak. And how does that come? A renewed, a mind renewed by the word of God. Is that, is that helpful? Okay. Um, I want to come back to the, to the, um, the word friend. Prayer is such a privilege because God invites us. Who are we? Right? As the psalmist says, what's man that you're mindful of him? Right? And yet God says, as you receive this gift I've given of Jesus Christ and, and you come to me in faith, I, I welcome you back home into my heart as children. I call you sons and daughters. I call you friends. And now I've got purpose for you. Good works that I've prepared in advance for you to do. And the first work and the most important work for every one of us is prayer. Okay, we work with God through prayer. Why? He desires our friendship and our partnership. And so I'm, I'm really praying for us that we would grow in faith to understand the things God wants to do through us as we pray. Okay? All right, why don't I close by praying for that right now, and then we're going to sing uh, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. That hymn. Would you stand and I'll pray for us. Lord, it's amazing that you... spin galaxies into being that you know every star by name that you hold the universe together that you're before all things you you we cannot conceive of how incredible you are and yet you love Each one of us, you know each one of us. You call each one of us your own. And you even want to commune with us and to give to us your very self. Lord, we pray that you would grow us. You would grow us in faith. You'd grow us in our ability to bring things to you and to receive from you. You'd help us, Lord, to persist in praying for the things that you value. You'd shape our hearts to value what you value. You'd put your heart in us. And we do pray, God, that your, your desire would come to pass. You said, Jesus, it is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. And so we're asking you for abundant fruit Not that we can bring on our own, but that you could bring through us as we pray in faith. Lord God, bring, bring a harvest. Bring your kingdom. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus, even asking for revival again. Amen.